Welcome. Hello. Uh, to our podcast. We don't know what it's called. We haven't named it yet. My name is Jimmy. My name is Nick. It is uh, Sunday, February 11th, 2018, and we're going to talk about some games we're working on, some projects we're doing, and some games we're playing. Um, this is a this is an early access podcast, if you will. So if you want to get it on the ground floor of like the new hotness about what's about to be like everybody's favorite podcast, because everybody always talks about their podcasts. I mean, we're going to be on billboards in like a couple months. So yeah, of course, I if mean. if you want to feel like you were in there at the beginning, you should somehow subscribe to this. I don't know if that's even going to be literally possible. Uh, yeah, just, just shoot me an email and I'll just send you audio files. <laughs> really, there's no infrastructure yet. So I'll just uh, give you guys my address and uh, yeah. you just show up and I'll just give you a flash drive. Just steal my phone because yeah. that's what we're recording this yeah. on right now. Well, wherever it is that you got this from, uh, come back in like a week and there will be another one. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully better. Hopefully better. Uh, but depending- this one is hopefully good too. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed. I'm feeling zesty. Um... So yeah, as we go, depending on how regularly we actually do these, we'll actually get equipment because this is currently being recorded on a telephone. Yes. Um, so let's, I guess, just jump right in. Uh, what uh, what are we working on? What are you What are you doing these days, Nick? I have been working uh, in Unity a little bit on prototyping a game that I've been thinking about for a little while that I've uh, named Control C T R L all caps like Control. the uh, the button on the computer. The Control. So yeah, what is that? What does that mean? Um, so, the game started out... I started thinking about making it months ago, and mm-hmm. it started different. It, it's not It's not the same idea anymore. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, of I course. Like pretty much part of the course. That happens. The initial uh-huh. impetus was that I just wanted to make a game about um, control. Uh-huh. I kind of felt like, I guess at the point in time, um, that I didn't have a lot of control in my life. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And so... I wanted to I wanted to make something. I wanted to feel sort of accomplished yeah. about something, but I didn't want it to just be meaningless yeah. with respect to sort of what I'm going through and where I'm at in life. Right, right, right. So I sort of wanted to try and make it like to help me. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. In a way, like a therapy almost. Yeah, sort yeah. of like a um a relaxing sort of yeah therapeutic does does like having it have like personal resonance like get you to work on it more often yeah so that was the other thing was i figured that if it sort of meant something more to me than just feeling like i had to make something because i know i can already tell there are some differences between you and me in terms of uh, (laughs) uh like creative impulse okay um i want to make creative things but i have no internal motivation for it i have to really make myself do it yeah um and it's really hard for me to do that yeah i feel like you have to make yourself relax a lot of the time as (laughs) as i've noticed like yeah yeah, you do you everyone has to try to work you know what i mean it's it's not easy but yeah you're more of a you're more of a workaholic yeah. yeah i was actually literally just thinking about like rationalizing my workaholicness to myself in that i I was pretty high when I when I had this thought, but it, it really clicked in a, in a in a nice sort of satisfying way where I realized that maybe from a certain perspective I like spend too much time working and stuff, but I like what I do, so I don't really know if it matters. Like I enjoy what I do, so that's 
why I'm doing it. It's not that I'm never relaxing. It's that maybe I'm just relaxing all the time, but my relaxation looks a little different. I wish I could think that way because you see, whenever I, this is what happens in my head when I sit down to make something. Um, when I sit down to try and do any glitch art, when I sit mm. down to try and work on my game, yeah, it essentially, I sit down, I think about how, I try to picture the end goal. I try to picture like when I'm done with the game mm-hmm. or when I'm done with the art and how satisfied I'll feel, you know, because I know, I know I'll feel great if yeah. I finish it. Um, but immediately after that, I'm just overwhelmed with this feeling of like, that I'm I'm missing out on having fun right now, um, <laughs> right? And it's it's hard to fight off for me. I mean, I'm I'm doing I'm getting better. I'm doing yeah. my best. I'm yeah, trying. Yeah. I mean, I'm been going to the gym lately. I've been right. just trying we're to like recording a podcast. Yeah, we're we're <laughs> yeah. making moves like. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I just I get overwhelmed a little bit with the I could be playing video games right now, and mm-hmm. it it it's almost like I think part of just the anxiety of. I know I have work to do. I know I have actual things that must be done. For example, it's like the dishes are fucked up. Like, I need right. to go clean my room. I need to clean the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I have homework to do. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I need to find a job. Like, there's all these things outside of my creative impulses that need doing. Right. Now, the funny thing to me is sometimes I don't even do those. I just, that anxiety makes me feel like I don't deserve to be... Like doing something creative? Exactly. Huh. And somehow I get from there to lying down sad eating ice cream. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. exactly how that yeah. transition happens. It does, but though, doesn't it? I notice a lot. I've been trying to work on it because, yeah. I mean, I just... It's not yeah. something I cannot notice. I yeah. mean, it's one of those tough things where it's like you have to push through that wall, and the more times yeah. you do that, the better you get at it, but you have to do it frequently. Yeah, it has to become a habit, which yeah. is really what I've been trying to trying right. to do. Just sort of that it doesn't matter if like I have other things I need to do. It doesn't matter if I'm tired. It doesn't matter if yeah. I'm stressed out. It's just, just I I have to push through and do this. Yeah. It's just yeah. necessary. And so, so yeah, how does how does that come in through in the game? Like how does that work in, in So in control, the idea I'm having right now and that I've been having lately has been just I want to make it specifically about sort of self-control and how it relates to um, that that sort of feeling mm-hmm. of not being able to that that feeling of like being overwhelmed you know what I mean by like your surroundings and by what you have to do and the way I kind of wanted to manifest it was sort of in a puzzle game mm-hmm. in that I wanted to make now, this is way harder said than done, um, because making puzzles is hard, yeah, puzzles as we spoke about. Yep. But I wanted to make puzzles that appear um, either difficult or impossible, okay. that have simple solutions, which is very hard to do, Yeah. but well, I is feel like... kind of what I where, where I'm going for, because I, I feel like that really communicates the idea properly of sort of that... All I have to do is do it. You know what I mean? It's right. a really simple, straightforward solution to my problems, but it just looks overwhelming. Right. Of course. I see what you mean. I feel like designing that might not be super difficult because it's easy to make something look difficult by just like putting a lot of bells and whistles on it. Now, mm-hmm. I'll, teaching the player to ignore those bells and whistles, 
can be tricky, but that's also that's also kind of like a one-time gimmick. Like once they learn to ignore these lasers because they don't actually mean anything, right? Then they're never that's never gonna work again, right? Yeah, that's that's the other difficulty. Is I'm I'm also trying to balance it with well, sometimes it is hard. Do you know what I mean? Right. To really push through and make something, course, and yeah. I definitely want that to be reflected in the game. That sometimes it is difficult to have self-control, and I was considering a little bit because you know I'm fond of. I liked um, games like Undertale and any any sort of game that betrays expectations in any way. Yeah. I really enjoy. Yeah. And so I was thinking about it in my game. If I make a puzzle game, it would be fun to make a puzzle game that really betrays your expectations. Absolutely. In, in certain senses yeah. where sometimes yeah. it's straightforward and sometimes what it's been teaching you is sort of what to expect. Yeah. And other times, I don't know, maybe you do something and doesn't do what you would expect it to do. I I don't know what that would look like, but that's sort of the idea. If Undertale is playing with your expectations in terms Mm -hmm. of like a JRPG type scenario, this would be the equivalent of a puzzle game. In a puzzle game, yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think about it. Um, I'm not totally sure. One thing that popped up into my head a long time ago that has almost nothing to do with this, but I've been trying to like kind of... uh, graft the idea over uh-huh. is I thought it'd be interesting if you had a game where uh, you have quick time events everyone hates quick time events for the most part right. they're not that fun they seem pretty lazy I, I, this started with me thinking how can I make a quick time event more that's fun actually engaging yeah that's not stupid yeah and I was thinking about it and maybe if you have quick time events that do, don't do what they say they're going to do or don't always do what they say they're going to do do you right. know what I mean okay. or things like that where somehow it's it's like telegraphing it's about to do one thing and, and it it's... and it screws with you it does yeah. something else or yeah. you know something that looks like that i'm not totally sure right are our music games just good quick time event games that's like, a good question actually just a quick time event non-stop. i guess it is it's just continuous quick time events that's what quick time events they need, quick time events need to be more rhythmic Honestly, yeah. I, honestly, I feel that in a lot of ways because they do have like a if you wait too long, you lose. But like they're so generous with that. They need to be rhythmic and they need to have some sort of like telegraphed. Um, this is when you need to press it by. Yeah, and yeah. it has to be like tight, like because yeah. in like a game like Guitar Hero, you can see the notes right. coming. You can see them coming, and it's sort of almost subliminally you prepare yourself and yeah. you, yeah. you know, you start playing. I mean, but games like Uncharted, which are obviously the most frequent abusers of quick time events, mm. because they have like this really dramatic cinematic experience. Now, instead of like actually playing the game, you're just like pressing some buttons to progress this cutscene. Um, but they've gotten better about it. Obviously, they they listen to criticism, but oftentimes now. If you like fail a quick time event, you don't just get like stabbed in the face and die. It's mm-hmm. like you you get punched and you and you fall and then like uh, some other kind of uh, grapple happens that leads you back into that same scenario and you can just try again with like in a yeah. kind of interaction. So obviously, I think people understand what's going on with those, but it would be interesting to see, yeah, like a more more rhythmic a more rhythmic QTE. Yeah, because done well, they're nice. Done well, you can apply them to a situation in which like the character normally like wouldn't be able to do this because there simply aren't enough buttons yeah. do you know what i mean right where it's like hey we don't have we don't have to have an uppercut button and this button <laughs> yeah. or that button and another button like yeah. we can make a really cinematic sort of um uh experience right and 
add, still be interactive. Yes, yeah. and add something interactive to make you feel more invested. Because right. I feel like that's what a quick time event is trying to do. Right, it's trying it's, to like keep you engaged with it. And, yeah, it's trying to like put you more in the game while also showing you something that you totally could not do otherwise. Exactly, and it's like pre-rendered probably, and right. you know. Right. But um, yeah, I feel like if they were made tighter and more rhythmic, almost like in a fighting game. Like that's that's the that's the underlying mm-hmm. like mechanic almost is mm-hmm. that you have to be tight with the controls. Now it's not like a quick time event where it's going to tell you you should punch now to like yeah. continue this combo or etc. But that's sort of the reason that a fighting game is good. I think is because those controls are tight. Mm-hmm. Um, or one of the reasons a fighting game is good is because that underlying sort of mechanism is very tight mm-hmm. so it's almost like all fighting games are just like really tight quick time games <laughs> yeah. that you kind of have the option you have to figure out what you're supposed to be yeah. pressing it right. doesn't tell you right um yeah I, I feel like that and it needs to be in a quick time environment at least i feel like it does need to be telegraphed right properly it has to be like a circle that's getting smaller at various speeds or yeah, yeah. something to sort of give you the some um, some non-diegetic indicator. Yes. Ah, yes. There we I've go. been reading um, Gaming, Essays on Algorithmic Culture by Alexander Galloway. Oh, lovely. It's on my book list because uh, Charles, one of our professors, said I had to put it on there. So my book list is this big old list of books I have to read before I am allowed to graduate of uh, my, my school at NYU. And... Um, there are about 20 books on there, and I've read maybe, like, four. Oh, dear. And I have to do this in, like, a couple months. Well. Uh, I read very slowly. Um, I've read a lot of them already, but I also haven't read about seven-ish. Um, this is one of them, but it's relatively short. And it has, like, these two axes that it's been talking about, which are, like, um, machine and operated. So what is the computer doing versus what is the player doing? <laughs> and then diegetic versus non-diegetic. So what's intrinsic to the, the world of the game and what's outside of that? So, yeah. you know, the reason a QTE sucks is because it's non-diegetic and it's, like, kind of ruining this otherwise very immersive experience by, like, all of a sudden, without me telling it to do it, it's putting this, like totally abnormal symbol into the world that only I can see even though the player the character is still like active you know um, yeah but they don't know what's going on and just like it, it brings that dissonance really strongly to the fore in a lot of ways because mostly most non-diegetic actions in a game are like pausing the game which I yeah. did intentionally because mm-hmm. I want to see the menu or that kind of thing but it's never the game just like shoving this thing in your face um I don't know. It's an interesting way of framing framing games. Yeah, I am, I like that. I mean, that's also... I see that as um, separating sort of pieces, compartmentalizing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like absolutely. How you make a game, which I always find very interesting yeah. because one of the difficult things I've found, at least just trying to plan for a game... Obviously, I'm a computer science major. Jimmy here is a... I study uh, narrative design for interactive media. Yep. Uh, yeah. He basically he studies like making games for the most yeah, part. Yeah, that's the best way yeah, to think about it's it. He's pretty much studying how to make games with like a focus on narrative. Mm-hmm. And um, I've asked him before, I asked him recently how he goes about planning out a game because when I was sitting down trying to plan out control, I just didn't even know where to start. I didn't know how it to compartmentalize really yeah. anything. I didn't know really how to... I didn't have words for it, you know? I don't have the vocabulary to really um, frame it properly. Yeah. So I've been trying to grow that vocabulary little by little. I guess I can, Yeah. you know, keep yeah. diegetic there. And, 
Yeah. Maybe get my a favorite, more. One of my favorite examples of a diegetic uh, interface in a game is in uh, Dead Space, where Isaac Clarke, who's the protagonist, oh. his health is indicated on his backpack. Yeah. So that's like a thing that you know, supposed to read his his life, his aliveness, I guess, mm-hmm. as like a blue collar space construction officer or something. But since it's on his back, the player can see it and tell how much health he's got left. And it's totally in the universe of the game and it just it feels it feels really cool and then thoughtful and like it just works. And obviously you can't always think of like the perfect thing to do that. Health bars exist for a reason, you know, yeah. it's, it's very clear and sometimes it's that's easy more to important. See. And it's frustrating if you can't tell how much health you have, especially. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, it goes back and forth. And as gamers, you know, people that play games have gotten used to these kind of non-diegetic things. And people that just exist in the 21st century understand, for the most part, how menus tend to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's just interesting because the non-diegetic aspects of, like, a movie or something is, like, the score. Which, obviously, a I lot see. of... A lot of um, uh, films try to integrate in some way like you know, you think about Baby Driver and like the music is when he's got his headphones in so like that's what he's listening to and it feels really cool because of that um, but at the same time we've gotten very used to the fact that there's like this swelling score that like none of the characters can hear you know yeah yeah um, yep so I guess we might want to shift over uh, to yeah, what exa- I'm working on to what Jimmy is working yeah. on which is much cooler than what I'm working on yeah I'd say it's about as cool <laughs> um it's just been worked on for a little bit longer, I guess. Uh, or like, I, and I have to. I have. I don't have a choice yes, here. Yeah. Mine uh, is for a hobby. Yours is for. It's for school. So, it's my thesis project for the game center. So I I go to a one school at NYU, but I take a lot of classes at another one. It's uh, we don't have to get into details, but anyway, I'm about to graduate, and this is the last thing I'm going to do before I do that. So it's my thesis, and it's called Zapper, <laughs> for now. Uh, and it's a clone of an arcade game called Tapper, which is amazing. It can be found at the Williamsburg uh, Barcade. Yeah. Um, PSA. Yep. Wonderful place. Go check it out if you want to drink alcohol and play arcade games all day. Yeah. Other notable entry at that barcade specifically is Joust, which is a game on which in which you you play as a uh, f- um, you joust on top of uh, ostriches, giant ostriches. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful uh, game as well. Tapper was sponsored by Budweiser, and in it you play as a bartender who's serving up some drink yeah. at a bar. And it has amazing controls. Yeah. It has the game feel buttery is... controls. Ooh, butter. If you've played a game like Destiny, it's better than Destiny. <laughs> Suck it, Bungie. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Better than Destiny isn't... Uh, a very high bar, but I don't know. As far as first person controls go, I I love the way that game feels. It feels nice, but mm. I guess maybe I just still play enough. enough. I also I was I was a little Halo nerd when I was a child, so I was I was a little sad <laughs> yeah. when Destiny came out and it wasn't just like amazing. Also Halo, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Tapper is that game, and we are cloning it. I'm working on a on the game with uh, two other guys from the class. Uh, I am I am our the the fearless leader here for some reason and it's basically a game where you play a clone of this other game so it's really fun and compelling because it's an arcade game that's been well designed and we have to modify it a little bit to fit our context because we're not trying to make money off of of your quarters here so it's not going to be as brutally difficult and also because the user will have to pay attention or i guess player don't know why I said user there. We'll have to pay attention to voiceover. So the golden pipes you hear right now are in Zapper going to be talking about the various uh, ways in which games um, 
sort of are woven into my day-to-day life. So it was at first going to be like this one narrative string of you play this game for like an hour and it's going to talk to you like the beginner's guide does or something. And is now kind of been compartmentalized in part to make it easier for us to actually make the thing. So there'll be like one level that's like, this is my relationship with games and like work and, and like my fears about working in the industry and like, holy shit, crunch is a thing. And a lot of places, like would I take a job if they offered it to me, but I knew they crunched all the time. And that'll be like isolated to like five or 10 minutes. And another one will be like, how do I rationalize making games in a state of the world that we exist in where like all this other stuff is going on and maybe games don't create as much of like a, a positive change in the world. So, so this is also a pretty personal project as well as being sort of a school based. Yes. Yeah. I kind of have a feeling that, and I mean, obviously, well, I don't know for a while I was telling myself like, maybe I won't get a chance to do like a personal project and devote this much time to it after I graduate, which could be true, but it might not be. I don't know. Um, it's kind of hard to tell. I see. But yeah, that's that's the main gist of it. Um, and so we just recorded the intro on a similar device as what we're recording this on, <laughs> just a phone. Um, at some point, we're going to have to get a mic. I'm, I'm tempted at this point to like get a semi-decent mic for like 50 bucks or something. It's probably worth it. I mean, yeah. the quality is just going to be... That is another thing that just... It's almost like juice at that point. Right. It's just like, well, not really. I don't know. It's it's partially that. Like, audiovisual is important. Yeah. But that's that's the thrust of the game. Um, we might want to take a little break so we can segue into our next thing. We'll be ta- I'll be talking about Zapper a lot because it's going to be going on for a while. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll take a little break here. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hey there, friends. Have you ever wanted to brush your teeth and work out at the same time? Well, have I got a product for you. Try Flexitooth. It's a special, wonderful toothbrush that also comes with a hand crunch so that you can strengthen your fingers while you brush your teeth. Um, It's a lovely new product. It's coming out uh, next year. Uh, You can pre-order them now for $2,000. Or uh, a few million pesos, I believe. So just get whatever money you have and buy it right now because your fingers are weak and your teeth are dirty. Thank you. Okay, we're back. Hello. Hi. Uh, So in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about games that exist already and that we are playing also. Um, so what have you, what have you been playing recently, Playboy? I have been playing Slay the Spire because I'm addicted to anything that's even the slightest bit roguish. I don't want to say roguelike because that's really specific and fleshed out and gets used. I don't want to say roguelite simply because it sounds too much like roguelite. Yeah. Like? Yeah, see, that's a a dumb, that's a dumb phrase. I I say it and people mishear it and then they're like, that's not what it is. I'm like, ah, I meant to say the other one. So I... Fuck all of that. It's kind of like Rogue in some ways. That's okay, what I'm going to say. There we go. We got that. Um, and it's also like Dominion, which is a card game, which is really fun. Right, um, right. In which you sort of build a deck as yeah. you play. Huh. Um, and, I'll slay your spire. Oh, man. And tell me more, oh, big baby. Guy. Come okay. here. Yeah. All right. Well, that was... All right. Continuing. Um, it's... Uh, an early access game. I think it's about $16. Uh-huh. Honestly, I think it's 
pretty worth it for me. You okay. can go judge for yourself because I know that is sixteen bucks is quite a bit for an early access game. Yeah. But um, I have such an addiction to any roguish <laughs> game that I just needed to play it. Uh, essentially, the way it works is that you have a character. Uh-huh. Um, I believe I'll just use the. There's two characters right now. I'll use the first one, the one probably most people play first, as a example. Uh-huh. Has a number of health points. Has relic. Starting relic. Relics um, give you bonuses in game. Okay. So his starting relic recovers like six health at the end of combat, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And what happens is you're greeted with sort of a map. Um, and you have to traverse this map sort of almost uh, FTL style to um, a boss. And right. there are, th- that is one level. I think there are three levels right now. So, and there are a few different bosses for each end of the level. And the way the actual game works, the mechanics are that. Uh, it's like a card combat game, right? Yeah. You have, I think you, I believe you start with 10 cards in your deck or something like that. Uh-huh. And um, three mana. And you can use mana to play cards to do things such as block incoming damage, or deal damage, or apply debuffs, or buffs to yourself, and you try to essentially take as little damage as possible while also defeating your enemies and traversing through this this randomly generated floor, essentially. Right. Um, And honestly, one of the reasons I really like it is because if it were just the combat... Mm-hmm. I would not be as interested. What, well, yeah, what else? Is um, there? there are random events, which I really, really like. Oh, the okay. combat's fun, the cards are fun, the relics are fun, and... But it needs a little spice. Yeah, it needs a, a little something to give it some character. Right. Um, and what they do is they have these question mark rooms, which sometimes have treasure, they sometimes have just a enemy battle, mm-hmm. and on occasion they'll have, most of the time actually, I think 75% of the time, the probabilities also change as you go on. I looked up the actual sort of underlying mechanics a little bit because I was curious. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, a, I'm a mechanics boy. I like, <laughs> I like that kind of stuff. Would you call yourself a but, mechanic? Ah, yes, of course. Um, I work on games instead of cars. Screw. Thank God. Um, but yeah, it's uh, Dominion-like in that you sort of build this deck as you uh-huh. play. And there are these events that you can find which really spice the game up because they're little sort of looks into the world. Um, one of which there's a worm that'll come out of the ground, or a serpent, I think it, it says. Is it a funky worm? Oh, yes. <laughs> it is a funky worm. Oh, boy. There's a there's a song by the Ohio Players called Funky Worm oh, that I... you should definitely stop listening to this to go check out because it's... <laughs> Ooh, it's a treat. Yeah, immediately, please. Oh, God. Um, screw what I'm about to say, which is yeah. that... Um, it's... Slay the Spire is, has these events, and... Yeah. Uh, they really add life to the game. Okay. There's a, One event is there's a serpent who will offer you gold, uh-huh. but curses you with a card called Doubt, which will... Oh, what a punk. Yeah, right? It'll debuff you. It'll give you, I think, weakness or something like that, some sort of debuff in game. What kind of serpent um, is that? Yeah. And you can either take it or disagree with him. If you disagree, I believe he slithers away disapprovingly, yeah. is the, uh, the phrasing. <laughs> That's how I prefer to leave most social engagements. Indeed, that is slithering away my natural flea response <laughs> is to just get on the floor and wiggle my way out. Slither away. Um, but yeah, so it adds a lot of life those sort of little random encounters there's also like a cleric goblin dude one man offers you something called Jax which is I believe uh, inferred to be some sort of drug but in game just gives you some strength I don't know Apple Jacks because those are those are my drugs Apple Jacks fuck me up I remember those Apple Jack commercials 
Oh my god, they, they were, were very odd. They're so scary. I don't understand who made those or why, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I haven't been playing a lot, but I have played a little bit of Monster Hunter World, or Mohun, which is just <laughs> the best, the best, some, like, uh, a sh- concatening of a name of a game I've heard in recent Hey, get times. over here, Mohun. <laughs> I need Mohun. Oh, baby. Um, but it's been, it's been fun because I've been using it to play with my, my friends from back home on the internet over the over the webs it's always lovely it is it is and they have way more time on their hands so they play games a lot more often than i do so they've been kind of like coaching me which is fun and it's funny because like they'll have to like he'll have to they'll have to go and like stop playing monster hunter so they can go do like a raid with like their other groups of like online players and like i think they play final fantasy online or something and they're like they're like clan leaders or, or whatever the equivalent is in that game and they have to like actually be there so that people can do shit do they use i always wonder do people on ps4 use discord a lot or do they use ps4's like um, in-game uh so yeah we're, built we're, in we're playing like, yeah so i was curious about that too because i know they play final fantasy on pc and use discord a lot for that so i was like hey are we gonna like do discord for this this ps4 biz and they're like nah party chat party chat's where it's at all right yeah that's fair um and it, it works well sense. Yeah, yeah it's been nice um as long as they both like live um they have like younger siblings and just like kind of chaotic households so it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of like listening to uh my friend's mom like yelling at his younger siblings and like <laughs> no the last time that we were playing she was watching the godfather in the background and so i'm just like hearing people getting like destroyed and like their code their like throat slit and like there's like baby <laughs> crying like incessantly in the movie and it's just like the as most you're like slaying as i'm yeah as we're trying to fight whatever the fuck a the great Jagras or whatever it is uh he had to end up like leaving a little bit afterwards but the game's like really fun to play with with friends because it's so ridiculous and it's definitely like it lost a lot for me when they left because a I think I had gotten used to the fact that playing with other people speeds it up a lot yeah. Especially when those other people are way strong in the game. So basically, uh, the, the the premise for this game is problematic uh, in a couple ways. In that you are essentially colonizing the new world, which is what they call it, to kill everything on it and use it for parts. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. They're, they're, it's not even trying to like skirt around that narrative at all. Like, you're literally, they call it the new world, you show Manifest up. Destiny, the game. I'm and not really much, sure. Yeah, I mean, the, you're going there because, like, there's an Elder Dragon, and if the Elder Dragon, like, does a certain thing, I think it's going there to die, but if it dies in a certain way, it's going to, like, destroy a bunch of other stuff, so maybe you're doing it for conservationist efforts, but I really think it's, uh, I really think it's different than that. I think mm. you just kind of want to get big swords, which is fun. <laughs> I mean, the big swords are great. And that's the other half of this game. It's like it has a somewhat questionable narrative, but it's really fun, mechanically speaking. I've heard the combat is like really in depth. In yeah, game. yeah. And I think part of my like favorite part about it to like pick out one thing um, is that there are it gives you a shitload of weapons right out the gate. So unlike a lot of games where it's like, oh, you have this broken dagger and now you get the broadsword and now you get the mm-hmm. greatsword and now you have a couple options, I guess. You can take your dirty shirt off finally. Yeah, yeah you can get a shirt. <laughs> Uh, this game is like, do you want the switch axe, which is literally a sword that turns into an axe? Do you want this hammer that's as big as a person? Do you, oh, cool. do you want an iron bow that's also as big as a person? My god. Do you want the insect glaive, which is a, like, 12-foot spear that has, like, a giant pole shaft, and, like, you get this bug on your arm that you can, like, shoot... You shoot, like, some kind of pheromone out of your spear... 
that hits the enemy. Those are very creative starting weapons. They're they're great. And but see, like that's those are all the different weapon types. And then you pick one, you get familiarized with it, and then you upgrade the hell out of it in a couple different ways. There's a ton of content in this game, so it's it's definitely like really overwhelming, especially like just getting grips of like the base systems is crazy. Yeah, it's like a new player coming. Yeah, to absolutely. Um, but like the different like communities within Monster Hunter that like surround themselves around their weapon choices is really fun. Like the the subreddit is just kind of crazy because there'll be like a post about like you know this this guy is like using this thing and everybody in the in the in the comments is just talking about how happy they are that they found someone else who like actually uses the weird like hunting horn, <laughs> which is like point one percent of players use or something like that. But it's very communal in that way, um, which I I like a lot because the char- the weapons have like a lot of character in themselves so like the like dudes that use hammers like always seem to talk like barbarians and stuff like that it's just <laughs> it's just fun um and the game is very playful about it too so i do like when there's enough like versatility in a game because it's it's cool when there's a there's a lot of versatility in how your character looks or how you can sort of design your character right it's much cooler when there's a lot of versatility in terms of like play style yeah absolutely. and like what weapons you can use right because in some games it sort of becomes like well using this is simply the best choice like this is just the best weapon and it may be like that in monster hunter at a certain level but it yeah. seems like for the most part it's sort of like hey you could use this you could mm-hmm. use that and it's yeah. sort of yeah whatever you want your character to be yeah they do a good job of like balancing different weapons natural like pros and cons with the various monsters in the game so like mm. certain weapons are just going to be better against certain monsters but there isn't like the one monster that you always want to be killing all the time and stuff like that yeah 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 so there's like a reason to actually use other stuff and they're just like fun to use it's very i think what i've been realizing i enjoy a lot in games is like being able to be expressive in in more uh in more kinds of manners i guess i'm trying to think of a better way to phrase that but just being able to like as you said, have a bit more character behind what you're doing in the game aside from just aesthetic choices, yeah. you know? Yeah. You're um, a, I wonder, you're a narrative boy, so do you have a narrative for your own character when you play a game? I know I used to no, do that as I a mean, child. Sometimes. I mean, if I if I was playing more of Monster Hunter, probably. Yeah. Uh-huh. My, my dude is uh, Okura, and he is like an old and ancient like surfer dude, so he's like very old and wrangled and tan. And uh, you have a little palico, these little like sidekicks who are cats, huh. and they're about like a, f- a foot and a half tall. And uh, mine's called Tom Hanks. He's oh, great. lovely! Yeah, they like find stuff for you at the end of the level. Like you go on your hunt, you kill the monster, you go back to the base, and it'll tell you like all the stuff that you got. Excuse and then it'll be me, like, sir, you have mail. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it'll be like, and your palico brought you some like rocks and stuff. It's like, oh, thanks, oh, wow. bud. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. Uh, okay, I think that about yeah. about wraps it. You can call it there. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Thanks for thanks for checking in. Uh, this has been whatever the name of the podcast is that is above this wherever you found it. Yep. Because um, we didn't name it yet. Exactly. Maybe it'll be keep talking again. Who knows? It might be keep talking. It could be uh, could be uh, uh, toothbrush boys. I don't Ooh, know. the TBB. TBB. Yeah. Nice. Okay, thanks and goodbye. And we love you. See ya. Say it now. Say it now. Me and the Ohio players gonna tell you about a worm. He's the funkiest worm in the world. Okay, say it, fellas.